What is up, you guys? My name is Josh, also known as Harry Tornado, and you are listening to the Triple Thrift Podcast, where me and my two beautiful best friends, Drew Profit Monsters and Joey Bada Bing 22, your local mailman, get together once a week, usually once a week when we don't have technical difficulties, and like to talk about our lives as full-time resellers. Well, Joey's part-time, but resellers and YouTubers. We talk about everything that has to do with that, you know, it just depends on what's going on in our lives in the reselling and YouTube aspect. Uh, so we'll go ahead and jump into it. Drew, what do you have going on this week? Oh man, this week has been interesting for me because I've been working on a couple of things on the back end of my business. Um, and I guess I'll spill the beans because things didn't really work out. I actually hired an employee and I made a, I was making a YouTube video about it and somehow I lost all the footage on my GoPro. Like I went back and looked at it as I was recording it and saw that it was there. And then when I went to go put it onto my phone, it was just completely gone. And uh, so I guess it was foreshadowing because the guy messaged me a day after he started working for me and said, he doesn't want to work for me anymore. So I lost the footage and I lost him. So, um, but it's definitely something that I'm going to probably be working into my business because what he was doing for me, which was basically taking pictures of new inventory I was bringing in. Um, mm -hmm. was really productive for the day that he worked for me. He's a really nice guy. We're still friends and stuff like that. Um, he's a part-time reseller himself, but I think he just realized after he was taking pictures for me, he's like, I can do this for myself and, and, and make more money. So, which we talked about before he started working for me, but I don't think the reality hit until after. Yeah. I paid you got to get him to sign a non-compete. I mean, we had a, we didn't, we didn't have a contract, but we agreed to a price that he was okay with. I was like, so tell me what number you're comfortable at. And I will, we will negotiate from there. He told me a number and I was like, I can pay that. That's fine. Like it wasn't even anything I had to negotiate. So he gave me his price and then, um, he was taking pictures for me. He airdropped them to me. He was in my shed taking pictures. Um, I set up a picture taking station in my shed for him. And then I was inside doing my shipping, editing a YouTube video, working on some real estate stuff and just the rest of my life. And uh, things went really good. I like got a bunch of listings on that night because he took the pictures for me. And then he texted me and just said he doesn't want to do it anymore. So I was like, OK, so I guess it worked out that the video footage got lost because I would have put it out probably before I got that text. And then I would have mm -hmm. probably had to make a follow up video about my employee quit. But I guess it would have been pretty that been cool, though, like first video like i hired a new employee and then the next day my new employee quit <laughs> <laughs> a great series of videos probably would have been and i'm really sad that things didn't work out because it looked promising but uh either way i'm carrying on with the business i've pretty much finished listing all the shoes from my rally roots buyout which is awesome and uh i was doing some sourcing the other day I pu i'm putting out a, a youtube video today as we're recording this um, about some thrifting. I sold an item on eBay and I hand delivered it to the buyer because he lived about 30 minutes away from me. And then I did some thrifting on the way home. I got some good stuff. So I made a video about it. And uh, yeah, I actually, I have a real estate deal closing tomorrow, which is really exciting. And then I have another real estate deal that we just went under contract this week. So I got two real estate deals I'm working on as well. So life is good, man. I'm happy. And uh, I'll stop talking awesome. now. <laughs> Joey, what's going on? What with you? is up, guys? Um, it's been it's been a pretty good week for me. I've been I've been I bought Hustle and Hooks spreadsheet, and it's been really it's been really going well because I've been putting my master inventory in there, and also I've been putting all the stuff that I've sold, and I haven't I didn't really do it last year, and I want to be very focused on that, and it's been going very very good. So shout out to Hustle and Hooks. And also I've been selling a lot, which is awesome. And I've barely been listing, which is weird, <laughs> but it's, it's just a true blessing. Like to just even make sales. Like I list once a week, literally on Monday, and I'm just going to be honest, brutally honest. And I mean, sales have been great. I've been, I just sold two things today, uh, 60 bucks a piece on both. Uh, I sold these baby retro shoes for uh, 60, I think like 69 99. And I saw this pasta, this Italian pasta, like noodle maker, like you put the like the dough inside, you roll it and it like like comes out like on a flat sheet. And I uh, I bought that for four dollars and I sold it for sixty one fifty seven. <laughs> so nice. great number there. But but yeah, thanks, been, bro. Thanks, man. I I've been doing good. And I, I called Drew the I think it was Sunday last Sunday. It was before the Super Bowl. And um, 
I'm really considering, I know this is, we've been talking about me going full time and whatever and whatnot, but me and me and destiny have been talking and, um, I'm thinking about me still working for a little bit and having destiny maybe quit her job and take on everything here, get everything organized, get everything ready and get everything prepped like for the future. And she, she's all down for it. And I know she can work hard. I know she's, she has what it takes and I, I, I will support her in any other, you know, any way that's, you know, that's our goal is to work on this together and have fun and do it, you know, full time one day. And I feel like it's better for her maybe to, you know, quit her job. And then me like to follow, you know, keep the support system going and keep that ride in and then eventually make the jump. Um, but we've been talking and we're putting our numbers together and, you know, I really want to make it work. So that might be happening soon. And, um, yeah. Does she have, um, what does she do for a living now? She works for a law firm. Um, she, she works for like when people don't pay their rent and, like it's been crazy right now because of COVID and when people don't pay their rent, their rent, she has to set up the cases like for the judges and stuff. Okay. So that's yeah. what she does. So that's probably just like a, a salary position. Yeah. Like she probably doesn't have like benefits and stuff. She has it. health insurance, which is great, you know, but, um, yeah. you know, I, I was thinking it like, I like that. I like the idea because it sounds like it would be cheaper probably for you to add her to your benefits right. at the post office. Cause it does the post office gives better benefits than a lot yeah. of jobs. You know? Uh, so I, I like it, man. It sounds like a, it sounds like a promising yeah. idea. And if it takes off, that would make it easy and even easier to transfer into both of you doing right. it full time. And I feel like she's, she's very, when she does stuff, she's very dedicated. Like she will jump yeah. on it like no tomorrow. Um, but also I have two weeks off coming up here, February 17th till March 1st. And I, Uh-oh. I know I, I took two weeks off to, um, get like, I want to be like, I want to put her in a good working environment, you know, maybe stuff on the wall, you know, like motivational things on the wall, like setting up, you know, basically the room here. And I want to get her in a good working environment to get things. I just want to get the ball rolling. I I'm, I'm tired of talking about it and I want to actually get it done. Um, Uh-oh. so that's, that's what I'm. That's what I'm doing with the next two weeks, just getting stuff ready to go. Okay. Uh, you kind of cut out there on the end, but I think we got the gist oh, okay. of it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> it's fine. All right. So, uh, so my week, uh, my week's been really good. Uh, I've been like with the, with the starting from zero challenge I've been doing on my YouTube channel. I've been perusing Facebook marketplace a lot, looking for you know free stuff or anything I could flip for that challenge. And I ran across a, listening for some golf clubs and oops, dropped my phone. Uh, and it, it originally it had like, I don't know, like three or four pictures and he was asking a thousand dollars and, uh, it wasn't that good of a deal, honestly, for what I saw in the pictures, but I messaged him and he's like, yeah, I've got like three times as many clubs as they're in the pictures. And he was asking like 1500 for it, for everything. Um, so I agreed to go meet him. It was like a 40 minute ride out there. And, uh, honestly it was just too much to look at at one time. Like, um, the clubs were in his, in the back of his truck. If you guys saw the video and they were like facing the wrong way and I didn't want to take out every club to look at it. So just like eyeballing quickly, I offered him 1200 and uh, he came back at 13. We sold it at 1260 looking back. I probably should have just paid him 13. Uh, but you know, whatever, uh, I got it home, got it on 1260. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I was going to do 1250, but all I had was hundreds and twenties. <laughs> so I was like, ah, um, I got it home and started like looking at everything and realized it was like a much better deal than I originally thought. Cause a lot of the brands that I were, I was seeing when I was there, I thought they were like nothing like low name brands, but it turns out they were like foreign brands that were still really good. So it's like there was probably 10 clubs that I thought were 15 to $20 clubs. It turned out to be 80 to a hundred dollar clubs. Um, so I think I, I'm going to, it's going to take a while to list everything and get it all processed. But I think by the time I'm done selling everything, I, I should see a profit of, I said in the video three to $4,000, but I'm thinking it's probably going to be closer to 5,000. Wow. Wow. Um, now that, I, now that I looked at everything. So it's awesome, but it's, it's a really particular deal. You know, like I, like with those boy scout patches I, I got from that guy, like I wholesaled the whole lot on to another person because 
I had no interest in it. I honestly just bought it because I thought it'd be a cool video. You know, I'm be being honest with the listeners right now. So I made the video, got the, you know, kind of sort of collab with Cincinnati Picker and then wholesaled the whole box for like 400 bucks to a viewer. So I made like $80 on the, uh, I think I paid 320 for it, sold it for 400. So I made 80 bucks on the transaction. And then I think the video has made like $450 or so. Not, I mean, pretty good, but not certainly not the best. I think it's got like 28,000 views. Um, so I like, I made my money that way, but I just don't have a passion for Boy Scout patches. And that, somebody's like, you could list those and make $10,000. I'm like, yeah, but I would have to look up comps and research every single patch. And there were probably a thousand patches, you know, but with golf clubs, I, I don't even have to look up comps. I know like, oh, that's a ping pitching wedge. I know that's going to sell between 30 and 50. I'll list it 49 plus shipping and turn on best offer. See what happens. Um, I'm also don't have to use custom SKUs with those. I just have like a rack. I'm going to show it in today's video. Um, so it's just super easy to list, like super fast taking pictures. You know, shipping is easy. Like you've got to use the priority mailing tubes, but um, I don't know. I'm just pumped, man. I'm so excited to get, get this I stuff can, listed. Other stuff. I can see the passion that you have for these golf clubs. I mean, just the way you talk about them, you just are like, boom, I know this is this, this, and this, and that's it. Like, I just love watching yeah. that video. It's like you had baseball yeah. bats. Like you play oh. baseball. So if you had a chance to Dude. buy like, you know, 400 baseball bats for 1500 bucks, you'd oh, jump all course. over it. Drew, yeah. what, are, what are you like most comfortable with in terms of like, I know you know a lot about shoes, but like shoes are, it's pretty wide category. You know, you can like, what's like, maybe is it scooters? I feel like you know a lot about scooters. I mean, I do because I had that business, but they don't interest me anymore. And I was going to yeah. say right before Joey said, I think what you said is a really good point because, you know, I've mentioned it multiple times on the podcast, but Rinzi you know, says, you know, stop being romantic to not to what's not working and pour gas on what is working. Like I kind of gave you some heat on Instagram the other day about donating guitar hero guitars, you know, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, like if you're not happy or passionate about the things you're selling, you will hate every part of that process. And yeah. so you may, you may see something, you know, out in the wild at a thrift store and you're like, well, that's pretty cool. I can, you know, a Kirby vacuum, let's say, and you were like, I can sell that for $200, but you have no desire to pack and ship a $200 Kirby vacuum. You're better off going yeah. to the shoe section and finding golf cleats that you like to sell, you know, because yeah. that $200 is not mentally worth your time because you're not really prepared to sell it and you're only doing it for the money. So to answer your question, I'd say, um, one, it would probably be rock bands and guitar hero sets. I really mm -hmm. enjoy selling them. I actually just messaged someone um, on Facebook Marketplace, like right as the podcast was starting. He's got three Guitar Hero guitars for 20 bucks, and two of them are the Explorer models with the original box. Uh, and those should sell for over 100, maybe even 150 each. So I just sealed that deal and, and PayPal'd him the money uh, so I can go get them after the podcast, which is nice. Um, and he marked it as sold, so I don't have to worry about someone offering him more money or anything. But I really enjoy selling rock band stuff. I mean, I'm I'm averaging like minimum one rock band set a week. I just shipped one out today that I sold for $180 on Mercari. And then two days before that, I shipped out a rock band set I sold on Facebook Marketplace for $240 bucks plus shipping. And like, I love picking them up and I love reselling them. It's so much easier than people think. And I made a YouTube video about how to ship out rock band sets, you know, yeah. and it's, it's re really simple. And like, I hate golf clubs. I just, I don't know anything about them. I know that there's like yeah. Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, you know, but I tried getting into golf clubs when I first started reselling because I saw another YouTuber was talking about them. I don't remember who it was at the time. Uh, maybe it was Cincinnati Picker because I know he sells a lot of them. Yeah, just he's like the only it. one I've ever seen really be knowledgeable about golf clubs. Yeah, I think Carolina Hustler does too, but he's I I wasn't seeing yeah. his channel at the time. Um, but he does like I think he said he did over a hundred thousand dollars in golf club sales last year alone. Yeah, so, I think he only sells golf clubs. But I just have no passion for golf clubs because it's not something that interests me now hockey stuff like i used to play hockey so hockey interests me like i just sold a pair of hockey skates on facebook marketplace for 50 dollars plus shipping but most people would be like ice skates what those can't be valuable especially finding them in florida but then when you realize like everybody up north ice skates it's like and plays hockey it's what people do up there you know um, yeah. 
nothing else to do. I like hockey stuff. Um, So I think that that's just a really good point for people to know is you don't always have to sell everything. You know, um, if you don't like shipping pots and pans, don't sell pots and pans. I mean, there's profit to be made, but they're not exactly easy to store. Like you can fold t-shirts or you can stack golf clubs, but not every pot and pan stacks perfectly in your, in your, you know, storage unit or your shed or your office. And sometimes if they fall over, they make lots of noise. So it's like awkward and there's so many makes and models out there and you have to scrub them and clean them. So pick stuff that you like, especially if you're a newer reseller, you know, that's why little Elm, you know, and Renzi, they only sell shoes because it's what they like, you know? Yeah. Um, and then maybe start branching out into other categories once you have kind of mastered a specific category, if that makes sense. You know, like I don't like selling Every time hats I see... anymore. I don't, I, Joey you don't like loves hats? hats. Yeah. I don't like taking mm-hmm. pictures of them because I don't have a hat mannequin. Um, and you either have to roll up a towel or p- put a bunch of bubble wrap inside of it to get the right picture. And the, I don't know. I just, I don't care for hats. The profit's not there for me usually, usually. So I stopped picking them up unless it's a rare hat, but Joey loves to sell them, which is awesome. You know, I love seeing yeah. him pick them up. Yeah. I, right. Joey. Awesome. Yeah. I, I, I just love hats because I call them my lunch money. Basically. Like I just, I sell them for like 15 bucks. I pick them up for a dollar and you know, that's my lunch money. That's, that's how I look at it. And it's just fun for me. Cause I love wearing hats and you guys do too. I know you guys love hats. But I just love selling them. They're just yep. easy. You throw them in a box and ship them out. Yeah, I get like every time I, I mention selling a hat in a YouTube video, I get tons of questions like, how do you ship hats? I don't I think people are just overthinking it. They're like, well, I, I put them in a poly bag and that's not enough. I'm like, why would you even default to that? Like, I don't know. Some things I, I don't know if things come as common sense. It seems like it's common sense to us or it's just common sense because we've been reselling like. I get like, how do I ship this? I'm like, you put it in a box. <laughs> like, I, like Kirby vacuum. How do I ship a Kirby vacuum? You just, you just find a yeah. box that it fits yeah. in and you just put it in a box. It's not, I don't know. People just get so intimidated by shipping. I'm like, it's not, it's really, it's, not it's really hard. not that hard. I mean, at first, like, yeah, I was terrified. I mean, I could account for that. Like, you know, I was shipping out a pair of shoes. I think it's because there's so many options. Like, especially if you start on eBay, it's like, Oh, I guess I'll just ship this vacuum media mail because it says that's $6 and that's the cheapest (laughs) option, you know, because eBay doesn't tell you, it doesn't tell you what that means. It just gives you the option. So I guess that's, I don't know. That's why if you're a a reseller listening to this podcast and you're or or a person listening to this podcast wanting to start reselling, do not start on eBay, start anywhere else. Poshmark, Mercari, Facebook marketplace, Facebook marketplace, especially like it's just on fire for me lately. So like, I mean, stuff is just flying out the door. And it's super easy to list, super easy to ship. You just put in like, you don't have to measure the box. You just put in like yeah, the weight range, like zero one to one pounds, pounds one yeah, to two pounds, pounds, two to five. It's it's so easy. So start there and then use eBay last. I just wonder why eBay is just so complicated. I just don't know why. Like the, you know, Rally Root just made a video of, you know, if someone, you know, accepts your offer and then they don't pay for it in the next seven days, you know, that's terrible. You, you want to sell that item. Mm-hmm. Like it, I, I, I think it's absolutely terrible that people could just do that. They accept it. Don't, don't pay for it. And you're waiting for that. You, you know, you got a business to run. It, it's not, yeah. it's not, I hate that, that. and the item specifics. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know who, I don't know who's telling eBay that this is a good idea. I don't know a single reseller that likes it. And I can't imagine buyers care. Like, what what department is this men's shirt in? Who cares? It's on the Macy's. Like, oh my god! The like, Macy's clearance every year. <laughs> I, I mean, it's it's just like stupid that, it, especially that it's required. You know, like I feel so bad for these clothing sellers that have thousands of clothing items listed and they have to go back and add the department on everything. I just I just got an email update as well that eBay was going to be adding more item specifics. And they said, be on the lookout for new item specifics. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And this is why even Ryan was saying um, that other platforms and stuff are probably going to take over or eBay, you know, if they don't change, they're going to start falling off because not only sellers like us are realizing these things that it's just too complicated, but I mean, obviously Facebook marketplace is competing with eBay by offering 5% fees and their shipping is obviously a lot better. And I mean, when you talk about the 
the hundreds of millions of users every day on Facebook and how easy it is when someone's already checking their, their comments and their notifications on Facebook to, you know, just go to the marketplace and search for something, then um, it's just one of those things that you kind of like, it almost seems like a no brainer that you would, um, what's the word I'm looking for? That you would search on Facebook marketplace for something because you're already on the app or, or on the computer versus going to mm -hmm. eBay. Now eBay has a devout following. Like I, I noticed when I delivered the Ronco rotisserie oven that I sold recently um, and I, I hand delivered it, the guy was like 87 years old. So I'm not being like sarcastic. He was somewhere in his like late seventies or eighties at least. And so I kind of thought to myself, I was always wondering who are the types of people that are buying Bronco rotisserie ovens and why do they always sell so fast for me? And, you know, I started to kind of narrow it down in my mind. I'm like, well, obviously like your typical Gen Z or millennial type people aren't buying these because they didn't grow up on them, but people yeah. that either used to have them and threw them away and want the ease of the cooking of it or someone who had one and it broke eBay is really the only place you can find something like that. You can't really find yeah. Ronco's on Facebook Marketplace. So I know there are specific things that you can find on eBay, and that's why they have devout users, you know. But someone like there's this Instagram account called That Dang Craft. And I swear that that couple is selling the most random furniture on eBay, like massive, mm -hmm. like vintage chairs, wooden chairs for $700. And I'm like, I would never buy wooden chairs on eBay, but yeah, you know, so eBay you does think though, like if you, if, if you have like a, a, you know, a set of chairs, you know, that was like four chairs or something, this antique passed down from your grandma or whatever. And one of them gets burned in a fire or stolen or something like 700 bucks to replace that, like basically irreplaceable chair is a really good deal, especially if it's $7 shipped, you know, a $700 shipped. Um, so I, I don't know there, there's, you know, looking up sold comps and stuff We're like, why did somebody pay that much? I'm like, if you put yourself in that, like what situation would you pay top dollar? Like, it's all about convenience and how badly you need it. You know, like if you, like when I found those two Adidas golf shoes that were left footed, uh, in my challenge video, people, so many people said, list them separately. It's amputee. I'm like, I haven't had luck with that. Like I, I you know, I just haven't done that. But then I was thinking about all the single shoes I found at the bins, like Jordans and Nikes and stuff that if I could find the pair, it would be a hundred, $150 pair of shoes, but the single shoe is basically nothing. But I'm like, what if there's a listing for one shoe out there? Like if I've got one shoe that I paid two bucks for at the bins, I'd pay 30 or 40 for the, for the matching pair. If the set together is worth 150, you know, so that yeah. you see a sold comp on eBay for one Jordan that sold for 60 bucks. I'm like, well, Maybe that other person randomly had the same shoe in the same size and, and it, got, it got it's dirty dog. or their dog, their dog could have chewed it up. I mean, there's, there's so many yeah. reasons for why things sell, which I think is why eBay does so good. I mean, like I see people on Instagram sharing solds all the time, specifically like vintage toys that are sealed in the original box, but not like, mm -hmm. not rare stuff that you would think I'm talking about like some random googly eyed, you know, Oshkosh plush or something like that. And you're like, why did somebody pay $189 for this stuffed animal? You know, but maybe that's the one person on planet earth that collects Oshkosh stuffed animals. And that's like how they, like you said, kind of earlier, how they connect with their grandma that passed away because their grandma yeah. used to give them Oshkosh plushes as like their treat when they came over to grandma's house when they were a kid. And it's like something that they hang on to. So, you know, I don't ever really question um, value of certain things when comps are showing it on eBay, because if there's, if there's an item, there's a buyer. And, and I think that that is so under undervalued in the reselling community that people talk about of what the value of certain items are or, or that you can sell anything on eBay. Like I share stuff all the time and flip the world on Instagram is like trash to cash right now, dumpster diving and killing it. And I think it's really important to, you know, just understand that there's a buyer for probably literally anything. If, if Dominic, the primetime treasure hunter can go in his front yard and find pine cones and sell a bag of pine cones from Syracuse, New York on eBay, 
you can sell dirt from your front yard to the right buyer if they if they yeah. someone's trying to buy soil from florida like it's just crazy i mean just think about so think about the goofy shirt that i was i was gonna buy on that instagram live like i love goofy exactly. if you guys don't know who i am i love goofy stuff you know disney um you know drew sent me this picture of this shirt and this shirt was awesome when i talk awesome you you can't find it anywhere i i've was looking for hours when i couldn't get it because the auction went there's not know, another one there's not know, another one on the internet yeah. i looked and this this guy had it on for auction and someone put 150 like already in the chat and i was like dude come on man like and then it got up to 200 250 and then i didn't bid yet drew bid at 160 i remember that and then and then i was, I was gonna buy it for you that's why <laughs> So then it gets up. To buy it. Thanks, man. It gets up to like 300 and I'm bidding back and forth against this guy. And then the guy who is in charge of the live, he bids 375. And I was like, dude, I can't do that, man. It's, even though it's such an awesome shirt. Like, and then Drew was like, think about your future, man. I was like, oh, dude, I need to be a full-time retailer. I, I, started, I started DMing Joey at all capital letters on Instagram. I was like, do you want to be a mailman forever or do you want freedom? And because I was like, I was like, I can understand, for example, again, Joey loves Goofy, like $150 or $200 for a shirt that nobody else owns. Like literally you can't find it anywhere else on the internet. And it was a really cool shirt. I'm like, this is a one of a kind piece. You know, um, I can understand a collector wanting that or someone who loves Goofy. But then Joey started getting up into the 300s, 320, 340, 350. And I'm like, Joey, you got to chill, man. $350 is a big chunk of money that you can be using towards, you know, quitting your job and having money in your savings account. And uh, eventually he was like, yeah, you're right, man. And then after the, the sold, he's like, dude, I'm crying right now. I wanted that shirt so bad you know but but it just goes to show that people will pay for stuff i mean the instagram live auctions is a whole nother podcast in and of itself but i mean i've seen rap tees vintage rap tees with you know busta rhymes and you know tupac and all these rappers sell for one thousand thirteen hundred twenty six hundred dollars for one t-shirt kurt cobain nirvana shirt selling for over a thousand dollars vintage nintendo 64 Mario Kart, Star Fox t-shirts selling for $800 to $1,000. People will pay for things that that they find value in. And I've shared on my Instagram multiple times about specific items that sold. And especially if you can't find any comps and you can tell that it's a good item, um, my suggestion is always list super high and then you can lower your price. Because you, if you start low and it sells instantly, you can't take that back, but you can always start high and slowly lower it. Um, yeah. So that's something to keep in mind for for resellers. If you find something that doesn't have a lot of comps or is extremely rare, always start it higher than you think. Because, you know, I sold a, a, VA, a brand new VHS player in the box, like a Sony or a Philips. I don't remember. I got it at a, at a flea market for $10 and I sold it like instantly for I think $280. And I listed it for $280. Why would somebody buy a, a brand new VHS player for almost $300? Well, I don't know, but they paid for it, you know? So, you know, and I always I, say that's not my problem. Exactly. Like, I got this pair of old boots for $8 and sold for, you know, 120 Why would somebody pay that much for these? I don't know. It's not my problem. <laughs> you know, they saw the pictures. They saw the title. They saw the price and they thought everything was good. Yeah, like I, I usually I'm the type of person who I'm a, I'm a low baller because I don't want to pay a certain amount for something. But like I said, that shirt, I, I wanted that shirt so bad. You have no idea how mm -hmm. bad I wanted. I literally was shaking like my heart was pounding because that's how bad I wanted the shirt. Because you, you like wanted. if I were to walk through Disney with that shirt on, dude, I'd be the coolest kid in the universe, you know, <laughs> at least the coolest kid at, Din yeah. at Disney. I think that the same thing is true with those with the golf clubs that I'm getting because like selling golf clubs individually is you usually get more money for them that way. Because you know, if you've got a whole set of clubs that costs, I don't know, a decent set of irons will be like 250 300 bucks or so. And it usually completes that is like pitching wedge nine eight seven six five four three. So if you like lose your seven iron, 
it's cheaper. Even like the whole set was like, you know, say it's 300 bucks. It's cheaper to pay 40 bucks for a replacement seven iron than it is to just trash the whole set and buy a new one, you know? So even though each club is not like really intrinsically that valuable, you're not really paying for the club, the value of the club. You're paying for the convenience of replacing that missed item. And the same goes with like, um, you know, Commonwealth uh, picker, you know, Kevin that, um, that sells everything for parts, like the battery back of a big mouth Billy bass or something, you know, like that is just a piece of plastic. It's not intrinsically worth anything, but if you've got a complete and working Billy, big mouth Billy bass that sells for, 60 bucks, but is missing the battery pack, you'll probably pay, you know, 12, 15 bucks for the, for the battery pack. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a good point because it's just one of those things that, that you don't really think about when you're outsourcing and thrifting, which is why I love these podcasts because we're like expanding on these topics that people don't really think about on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, um, that's why, okay, that's a perfect example for me, rock band that's why dongles are so valuable with rock band guitars because yeah. people lose them or the wires break or the internals go bad, I guess. I don't know. I've never had a bad dongle, but because they're small and they're usually plugged into the console or they don't, they don't like attach to the back of the guitar. If harmonics and red octane were smart, they would have built a guitar that you could store the dongle inside of the guitar after you were done playing kind of like, how the game perfection, you know, the little pieces that pop up. If you flip the game over, there's a little storage compartment for all the pieces. So you never lose them. If harmonics or red octane would have done that for dongles, that guitar, I bet would be worth so much money (laughs) because people would never lose. That's why I like the whole wireless technology. They, they thought it would be cool. They thought it'd be cool to have like a dongle. So it's wireless, but then you got the wired Xbox 360, like the, the white guitar that's just like the USB plugin. That's one of the most valuable guitars there is because it's simple. Mm-hmm. Just give it a long cord. You don't have to be wireless. Like wireless is just, I don't know. Like I Xbox just really knows it. how to simplify it. I think they tried to make it more of the live band feel by going wireless with the dongles so that people can like move around and feel like they're in a band without ripping a cord out of their console, depending on their living room status and stuff. But the point is, is that the dongles, some of them sell for more than the actual guitar itself, which is crazy. You know, some dongles sell for 50 to $75 for just the dongle because they're hard to find for certain units. Um, and you just never know, like what Josh was saying, what something is worth to somebody. Someone could have like, um, Joey was talking about this in his live listing the other night with like the seven dwarves uh, characters. I don't, you Joey, you can talk on it more, but like someone sent you some of them and then someone in the comments was like, yo, I have the missing one. And Joey's like, how much? Like, send me that Joby or Grumby or whoever you were missing. And like for Joey, because someone sent him that set, now he wants to complete it. So there's value for him to find that missing dwarf to his set to have on his shelf. Mm-hmm. You know, he only has six of the seven Snow White dwarfs or however many you got. So yeah, Joey's gonna buy if you, that. If you were to find, if you were to find that one dwarf like at the bins, most people would just throw it back you know it's exactly. just exactly but to joey i mean to joey that thing might be worth 50 bucks yeah. you know it depends on what the what the set is worth mm-hmm. complete it's exactly. just so interesting like taking like even like harry potter books like hardcover harry potter books if you've got six of the seven like the seventh book is probably worth like you know 10 15 bucks but like completing the set the value that comes with with completing it that's that's what makes these things sell for so much this is a, such a good Absolutely. like talking like to talk about this because you know I, I love like like I'm I always talk about goofy but I love goofy stuff if I if I see something goofy I'm buying it you know I mean no I don't really care like I just it makes me happy because when I look at it it makes it makes me think I'm at Disney or you know when I'm there and I see goofy like I, I can account for that and I I usually don't collect things I I really don't but. This goofy vintage shirts are just killing me, man. I love it. Dude, I've I've, I've has their thing that I've, I've I've low-key fell in love with vintage Tower of Terror t-shirts. Like, and I I if you know me, like I don't collect anything. Ask my wife. Like my business model is everything's for sale. I mean, my kids are for sale for the right price. But <laughs> not not really. Disclaimer, but. uh disclaimer, that was a joke. <laughs> 
but but it's just like i will find something and i'm like oh that's cool i can use that or i can I, my kids can play with it for a little bit and then when they get bored with it i can resell it like my wife found this power rangers megazord at a resale thing for kids for like three dollars and then asher stopped using it like six months later and i sold it for 75 dollars on mercari like okay mm-hmm. if he's not using it i might as well sell it but for me i just have never had anything that i'm like oh i gotta collect vintage you know game boys or you know mountain dew cans like dominic is the mountain dew guy you know primetime treasure hunter you know he collects the mm-hmm. mountain dew stuff. i've never been like that but lately i've just fallen in love with the graphics on vintage tower of terror t-shirts so i normally pay like I try not to go above $50 a shirt. That's normally my max because I'm probably the cheapest person you'll ever meet. I'm usually like, I need to find them in a thrift store. But now I'm trying to complete like a collection of all of them because I've found a couple of them at really good prices. And I'm like, all right, now I'm just going to be patient and wait it out and find, you know, most of them. Um, I just think they're so cool. So that's, that's you know, why that's why I bought you that hat. Like you're, you don't, you don't collect anything. So I'm like, I want to buy you something, you know? So that hat that's right josh if you see it the blue one to the to the top right there that's the one i bought him so i was just so happy to buy some like buy something for him you know because he doesn't collect anything with josh he only likes the office but i I don't know nothing about the office so like i gotta like figure out what i need to buy for him (laughs) you know you don't have to buy me anything well and and you know friendship the Tower of Terror stuff has grown on me so much that when I did an Instagram live auction running some of my vintage Disney shirts a couple weeks ago, I was wearing one of the Tower of Terror hats, not the one that Joey got for me, but a different one. And I've never seen anybody else with it. And um, I paid $55 for it on an eBay auction, which is more than I normally pay for anything, especially a hat. And someone in the live auction was like, Drew, off the dome, question mark, name your price. And I was like, it's not for sale. And then after the auction, someone DM'd me and was like, dude, I need that hat. I'll give you $150. And I'm like screaming on the inside because I had just gotten that hat like three days before I went live. And I was like, man, how do you say no to $150 for a hat? And for the first time in my life, I kept something instead of selling it. And you know what? I'm actually happy that I didn't sell it because I'm growing my tower of terror collection now. And, um, I'm, I have both vintage hats that I really like one that I bought for myself and one that Joey bought for me. So, you know, I'm actually really happy. I didn't sell it, but for the most, if someone would have came in and been like, y'all give me $400 for that hat, I probably would have sold it, but I would have never gotten that kind of an offer. So, but the value, you know, going back to everything that we're saying, it just, you'll you'll that's why parting out stuff and selling pieces of certain like board games and things like that may not seem worth it you know right off the rip but if you buy a board game and then it's missing one or two pieces then you can part out everything you know and sell everything separately you can sell the board you can sell the the character pieces you can sell the monopoly money you know or or anything um so you know food for thought for all of you guys listening out there when you're looking at stuff you know um What's his name? Craigslist Hunter just parted out a dryer, a Maytag dryer, and sold just the control module for $400. He was asking $325 for the entire dryer at his store. <laughs> and it had been sitting for two or three years. And his one of his employees said, let me take it apart and part it out. And they parted out six parts from it. And they've already sold two of them for like over $500. So it's crazy. A Maytag dryer control module. You would have never thought. I mean, it's, it's, you got to think about the little things that go missing, you know, like you could part out anything. Like I've got, I, I think you could probably buy things retail and just like, like buy a, a, a set of Legos retail, you know, or a puzzle retail. You could buy a thousand piece puzzle and list every piece individually <laughs> and like quadruple your money, you know, because probably. if somebody's like, oh, I'm missing this piece. I'm like, I've got that piece listed for three ninety nine plus shipping. Would you <laughs> like it? Of course I would. <laughs> And that's how much you know, like I've got will cost you. Yeah, because it's like that one piece, you know, because you're not paying for the piece. You're paying for the completion of the puzzle. You're I've, paying I've for got a ring light here. I've got a uh, got a ring light that's got like, you know, it's, it's got several different brackets and the power cord and like two different like color filter things on it. I mean, I could part out that like sell the light, sell the power cord, sell 
all different, all eight pieces of the filter and probably make more than it costs me retail. Cause if yeah, you're missing any that. one of those aspects, you're willing to pay. Cause people don't think about the retail when it comes to, um, replacement parts, especially with like kitchen appliances, like blenders and, you know, ovens and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's whatever, whatever they're willing to pay. You know, a lot of times if you paid a hundred dollars for a blender and you lose the blade, you don't want to buy a blender again, but you'll pay 25 bucks for a blender. Yeah, I just bought the food processor with, with Drew and um, I, I sold the base of where the, like the motor is like the base. And I, I sold that for thirty nine ninety nine, and a full set is like forty nine ninety nine. So I, I sold that mm-hmm. one base motor and now I have like the cup or like the, the circle thing. And then I had the blade and the top piece and I'm selling those for like 20 a piece. So I mean, I could, yep. I've tripled, I'm going to be tripling my money, which is awesome. That's awesome. And, and of course, like when you get into like parting stuff out, it definitely takes a lot of work. It's a lot of listing. It usually takes a lot of time, you know, like uh, with Craigslist Hunter parting out the dryer, that's a specific model of dryer. You don't know how many are out there and you've got to wait for one of the few people that has that model to need that one particular part. But that's again, where the benefit of eBay comes into play. I mean, eBay has the largest marketplace of buyers of any other selling platform. It's the most complicated to sell on, but it has the most eyes available. So if somebody's and, and with parts and pieces, that's the category that eBay thrives in because nobody's going to go to Amazon to look for, you know, a, a replacement blade for their blender. You know, maybe they would, but generally people are going to realize like, oh, maybe that's on eBay or something. Um, I had a friend that, that had like this coffee maker that she liked for her dorm room and she broke her pot to it. And it was like, a, I don't know, $150 coffee maker. And she was like, oh, where, where can I get a new pot? Like looking on Amazon. I'm like, look on eBay. You probably find it for like 15 mm-hmm. bucks. And I think she got it for like 25 plus shipping, which was kind of expensive. But she was happy. And I'm sure the seller was right. happy. The seller probably had that whole unit from the bins or something. And just maybe it didn't work. So she just parted out the lid and the the, the little drain mm-hmm. tray and the and the pot and everything. So it's, it, it's awesome. I really think that's where eBay, where eBay shines is like those weird unique replacement items like mm-hmm. that. Like Destiny bought a, a VCR with the remote and she she was so happy that she found the VCR because it could sell for like $120 with the remote. Um, she was so excited about that. She didn't plug it in just to see if it would turn on, you know? So the VCR mm-hmm. doesn't work and we paid $10 for it, but the remote sells for like 15. So that's awesome, you know? Or we could even sell yeah. the VCR for parts you know, for, you know, I told her she, she was like, can we throw it away? I was like, no, you, you might be able to sell for parts for like 40 bucks or something, you know, the VCR. Yeah. So, and then her- I bet you there's guys out there that only source from eBay, like buying yeah. broken stuff for parts. Cause I, I actually bought a part to one of the Magnavox combo units. It was missing the door to the DVD tray, but it worked. So I went on eBay and bought just the little plastic door. Like I just, it, it kind of made me mad cause it was like $18 oh for like a little piece of plastic, but I bought it took the lid off, fixed it up, worked perfectly and sold it for like 200, you know, so that was worth it for me. But like, if you had a non-working unit, you could probably buy those non-working on eBay for 30 bucks Mm -hmm. plus shipping. And so you take just the DVD door and sell it for 18. And then you got everything else. You got the cover, you got the hardware, the Mm -hmm. screws, you got the, the heads if they work. I mean, there's just so many parts to those things that could, I don't know. I think that'd be a fun challenge to like, see how much money you can make from a broken mm-hmm. VCR. Like we all get like a broken VCR and take it apart and like over a year to see who can make the most <laughs> from selling part of the, of the same VCR. That'd be cool. Yeah. I, I have actually been thinking about that with guitar hero guitars because people say I actually buy them a lot and you know, you can't test them when you're in a thrift store or on Facebook marketplace. And but I, each guitar has five colored buttons. You know, there's the strum bar, the whammy bar, the star button. Like, I wonder if I could part out, I should do that, like parting out a Guitar Hero guitar and seeing if I can make more money parting mm-hmm. out the guitar than what I could actually sell it for. I think that would be fun. I actually have three of the Explorer guitars that don't work um, or mm-hmm. something was wrong with them. And uh, I'm gonna part those three out. I have them sitting. I was gonna list them all three together for parts, but now that I'm thinking about it, I'm going to kind of piece it out a little bit bit more and see what I can do. Um, who knows? Maybe the Guitar Hero stuff isn't worth it, but it might be worth worth a shot. But I love talking about yeah. this. This is a great conversation today. Yeah. <laughs> 
So what do you guys have on the horizon uh, coming up this week for reselling and, and YouTube? Um, for me, like I'm excited for my two weeks off. Like I'm going to Drew, Drew yeah. told me to like, instead of thinking about what you want to do, make some goals, you know, write it on a piece of paper and say, Hey, you know, I need to clean the wall or what, not the wall, but like clean the room or, you know, clean, you know, this or move this, or, you know, what do you want to hang something on the wall and just have something written down? So I have a checklist where, Hey, you know, this is what I got to do instead of just saying I have to do it rather than just writing it down. And that goes for everybody. You know, I feel like that's a great way of, um, present what's the right word. Like, the great a great way to use your time wisely you know um yeah it's all about goals man just like so many people have goals like i want to i want to you know make a youtube channel and get to 100,000 subscribers i'm like okay well you got to break that down first step make an email yeah. address for your new youtube yeah. you know just make it as small steps as possible that way you know exactly like list it out and if you accomplish everything on your list then the result of that would be you know 100,000 subs or whatever or whatever mm -hmm. you want to do you know you want to lose weight. Your goal isn't just to lose weight. It's to, okay, how many calories do I need to eat per day? Like, what does that look like? And make daily goals. So you eventually get to get to your number. And then I want to make a video. What you... I'm excited for you to have, I'm excited for you to have two weeks off, man. That's it, like being a full-time employee. I remember like the vacations were just yeah. sweet. I'm like, ah. and I'm getting Bro, you better two weeks. You go, you go back to work and you don't even know so what hard. to do. Yeah. You what better drive so hard. Like, I don't want to see nothing but reselling content from you for two weeks. I don't want to yep. see you watching Netflix. I don't want to see you Playing eating Fortnite. at Olive Garden for dinner. I don't want to see you going to a, a Jets pre-game. <laughs> no, no bingo, no <laughs> poker nights. It's reselling for two weeks, baby. Yeah. I want to see you bang it out. I'm super pumped. Like, I, ha you guys have no idea how how bad I want to just get. I mean, it's not bad, but I just want to get it situated to the point where I feel welcomed into this. Like, I don't want to feel like, oh, man, I, I don't want to open this door. You know what I mean? I want to feel like, yeah. hey, man, I'm super pumped to even be in this room and get stuff listed or, you know, get it organized, put it in the bins. Um, just get it all get it all ready because, you know, I work full time and it's it's there's not enough time yeah. to do all of this. I would be up late at night, five in the morning. I would have to wake up in, in an hour to go to work, you know. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely tough, man. I, I remember when I was, I've heard other resellers say that, like, that I guess they're being really conservative and they don't want to like motivate people to do anything quickly, but they say you shouldn't like even think about being a full-time reseller until you're making the same amount of money in reselling as you are at your business. And I personally think that's almost impossible. Like, like if you've got a decent job, you know, making you know, it, my old job, I was making 42,000 a year. I'm like, there's no way I can make 42 K a year working like two hours, like three nights right. a week, you know, because I have other things to do. I have my job. That's 45 hours a week. I've got my family, you know, especially if you have kids, like there's so much, there's so little time. So I, I don't know. I think again, it's not going to be a one-to-one -one. if you're working 10 hours a week, making a thousand dollars a month, just because you work 40 hours a week, doesn't mean you're going to make $4,000 no. a month. It's not always a direct correlation like that, but um, you're going to make more money you know, going full time. You're going to increase your, your reselling income. It just depends on what you list and how much you list and how hard you hit it. Um, but I, I don't know, like I said, it, it's really hard to get a good idea of what you're going to make without actually going full time. Speaking of pumped, since Joey's pumped for his two weeks off, are you pumped for hitting a hundred K subscribers? Yeah, man. What's your plan? I for am. That? See, I don't know. We talked about it in my live stream the other day and I'm like, honestly, like, it'll be cool. You know, I, I thought I probably want to do like a live stream when I get to like 99,500 or something and see if we can hit it like in the live stream. That'd be cool. But then like once it happens, I'm just like, I'll be exciting. And then a couple weeks later, I'll get my plaque and that'll be cool. But then like what next? Like 1 million. The a next million. goal is, million, you know, but that's dude. Okay. So fun fact. Okay. Do you guys know who Nicholas Woolsey yeah, I is? That's all. Awesome. Okay, I you watched the video. Okay. Yeah, dude, that was such an interesting video. Like he broke, he basically, if you guys are listening to the podcast, he did a video where he compared my YouTube channel to like Rockstar Flipper, Rally Roots, and um, uh, Paul Cantu. Paul Cantu is probably the most, he, I mean, he's definitely the most subscribed reseller uh, YouTuber. He's got like over 600,000 subscribers. 
Um, but he like went into social blade and compared our stats and he thinks I'm going to be the first reseller to hit a million. I don't think that, I don't think there's enough people interested in reselling content. I don't even think there's a million people on YouTube watching reselling mm -hmm. videos, you know? Um, I mean, it would basically like basically everybody who is interested in reselling would have to be subscribed to my channel to hit that. And I don't think that's going to happen at least not anytime soon, maybe like five years. Um, but it was just a really interesting video to watch. Like he broke down analytics that I didn't even think about, you know, uh, but if you guys go look at that, Nicholas Woolsey at W O O L S E Y. I think I, I um, have a couple of opinions from that video. And I think that, um, I think the way he made the video, like overall was really well researched and, and done. The quality of the video was good. Um, I think that there were a couple of things that were missing in my opinion, like considering the fact that he was saying that, you know, Paul Cantu is not really gaining that many subscribers at this point. And I think that you have to kind of also remember that you're peaking right now, like you're really growing, you're gaining a lot of followers and subscribers. And Paul Cantu already hit that, that. Yeah, what's what that it, it's not anything wrong with Paul. It's like, like right. I was saying, there's only so many people interested, like, there can't be much more than 700,000 people watching thrifting YouTube videos, you know? Right. Well, there's, so there's a couple things with Paul specifically. I mean, one, his, his language and his, his content can be inappropriate for many people yeah. where yours is very like family friendly, you know, clean, no, no bad language and stuff like that, which to each their own. I mean, it's no, no hate against Paul or nothing like that. But when you use you know, what other people may consider inappropriate language and, and terminology or whatever, you know, that does YouTube turn off too. YouTube's people. not going to push content with profanity in it. It's just, they're just right. not going to do it. And so that will turn off specific viewers. Um, but at the same time, like, I think that, you know, you can't really say, well, Josh is gaining 30,000 subscribers a month and Paul's only gaining 30 subscribers a month. Like, well, yeah, because he has 500, and 40,000 more subscribers than Josh does at this point in time. So you can't expect the same trajectory. That's the word I was looking for, for Paul's channel yeah. than for, for Josh's channel at this point in time. Now to say that Josh's channel may not, you know, blow up and skyrocket to the moon, you know, um, because of other types of content, then that's definitely possible. But I don't think comparing them by social blade by saying, well, social blade thinks, it's going to take Paul eight years and it's going to take Josh four years or five years, whatever he said, you know, to hit a million mm -hmm. or three years. I don't remember what it was, but you get, you get the point is 100% yeah. accurate because, you know, I mean, Cincinnati picker, RVA flips, garage flips, they've all put out videos that one or two of their videos have hit over a million views. Bearded picker has yeah. a video with over a million views, you know, like, so there's definitely an audience. Taco Stacks has like 12 videos with over a million views. Like, I think he's probably the most underrated reseller channel for sure. For sure. Yeah. He's, he's just like a basic guy making videos, going to the flea market, picking trash and hanging out with his dog salsa. So maybe you need <laughs> yeah. mode in your videos more. Maybe that's what you're missing. He's got salsa. Yeah. And you I made one video that had like, I, like every time I leave the house in a video, I'm like, okay, bye Mose. Love you so much. And then I come home and pet him. I did one video where that was three times, like three times leaving and coming back to the house. And like one of the top comments was, we need more Mo's in the videos. I'm like, <laughs> we thought, there was like, there was like nine minutes of this, like 40 minute video is all my dog. And you want more? Like, it's crazy. I need my wife in more videos, like having her in to come in. And, and Nicholas talked about this in his video too, like the family aspect. I think that's why Rally Roots um, has grown as fast as they have because there's just not that many reseller couples, you know, like we got the family flips They're They're getting up there. Uh, but rally roots, like to have a husband and wife who are both so good on camera, that is like a huge advantage for them. So my wife is, is pretty shy. Like she's pretty camera shy and just shy in general. So I don't think she's ever going to, you know, be like Allie or anything like that. But I do want her to be in more videos because women just perform better on YouTube in terms of like analytics and views. I think, I think men like seeing women in general and then women like seeing other women in, in reselling. Cause I think reselling outside of clothing is a pretty male dominated field. You know, it's the truth. I mean, you look at hustle at home, mom, she doesn't exactly put out daily or, you know, weekly content. Sometimes she won't put out a video for a month and then sometimes she'll put yeah. out a video every other day and she'll still get 50,000, 60,000 views on a video. And then you have yeah. like 
Kayla, the homeschool picker, you know, who just recently, just recently started, you know, she had one video, part-time pickers, you know, shouted her out. And then she's getting five, 6,000 views on every single video, no matter what it is. People love yeah. the way she looks, her actors, her personality, you know, exactly her personality. personality, everything. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I'm not saying it in a bad way. I'm just saying like, no, that's the way to grow, dude. Like you can, you can have the best reseller content on YouTube. Like some guy in Nicholas's live chat yesterday was like, I don't like, I don't like any of these guys. Like the best reseller channels are the small ones that give the best advice. I'm like on you, when it comes to YouTube, like you can talk about re reselling and YouTube are totally different things. When it comes to YouTube, if you have a good enough personality, you can get the most basic tips in the world. Like, Hey guys, Hoka One One shoes are good. And that video could get a hundred thousand views. If you, if you have a, a good enough personality and, and you're good at presenting the topic, whereas somebody else could tell you about some, you know, like hustling hooks with pots and pans or somebody with like, what are those new like stuffed animals that are really valuable? Like, what are they called? Build-a-bear? No, it's like, I don't know. Like they're like squish, uh, squishmallows. Squishmallows? Squish, something, squish. I think it's squishmallows. I don't know, but there's like the new hot item or something. Then resale value is really good on those. Um, but I don't know, like part-time picker is like one of the people that, that blew up without the personality, you know, like he's just such a good reseller, like brands and, and selling stuff. I don't know how he does it like as a, as a part-timer, but that's what he blew up because of his reselling knowledge. But uh, I think with Kayla, she could just keep her videos as simple as possible, you know, just showing her day-to-day -day life and just her personality is going to make her, her channel rise for sure. But so many people are just, I don't know, just really awkward on camera. You can tell they're nervous and she's definitely not nervous at all. Like she's 100% confident mm -hmm. on camera, which is hard to find in, in reseller, especially like female resellers. Yeah, for sure. Nothing against female resellers. I just, I can't think of many like crazy lamp lady and hustle at home mom and Becky park. I mean, there's, there's a lot, but, um, generally, I don't know. Generally, I think men are just more crazy on camera i guess like, like i'm thinking like like blake knoblock and joey you know like i don't know they're generally more outgoing it's just weird to see uh, this like probably sound it's just I'm sorry. <laughs> it's weird to see because i yeah, want to like, i you know i want to you know blow up on youtube too but it's so hard to to figure out what what to do you know like and how to do it and just seeing how simple it is just to make a video and like the one video i did with destiny you know that video was the first time that a video of mine got blown up like I, I, it blows my mind because destiny was in it, but like, why not me? You know? So, you know, I don't mm -hmm. know. It's weird. I'm telling you, man, like, I've looked at my videos and like videos with Haley in the, in the thumbnail, like do mm -hmm. good, like do better than any, like if I do a, a palette video, like a goodwill palette, it could be the same palette, but if Haley's in there and in the thumbnail, it'll do 30% better. That's so crazy. I don't understand. And it's not even, there's that one channel. I think it's called like Tucker upper. And he, I think, I don't know. It's just really uncomfortable because he'll like, I don't know, put like his wife in thumbnails and in the video, like showing her just like at a garage sale, but the camera's like pointed right at her butt the whole time, like right at it or like a lot of cleavage or something in the thumbnail. So you don't have to do that. Like literally just having a female face in, you know, no body parts or anything um, that generally just performs mm -hmm. better. You don't have to, you know, go after the sexualization. It's just the feminine yeah. aspect of it, I think. Yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting because like I do remember when I first started making YouTube videos, when I first found out about the bins, um, if you go back on my channel, like well over a year ago at this point, probably a year and a half ago, I put out two videos going to the bins and one of them was with my wife and Kit and Asher. And then one of them was with my wife and my, our friend Tori. Um, and um, they're both obviously very pretty. So but in one of them. I used um, Tori for the thumbnail uh, because she was like, I asked her and she said she she would be in it. So, and the, the thumbnail was like ladies in the background were fighting at the bins. Like you could, I literally got a screenshot of like two ladies like playing tug of war over a shirt in the background. And, and then I put Tori on the front of that thumbnail. And I said, I think it was one of my better performing videos for a really long time on my channel. And there were two things. One, there's a pretty girl on the thumbnail. And then the second one is, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the title was like, you know, chaos at the bins, women fighting over clothing or something like that. And then it has yeah. Tori like, like pointing, you know what I mean? 
kind of to the to yeah. the, in the background fighting. And that video did really good for me. Um, and it's, it's just because there was a woman in the thumbnail. A woman in the thumbnail, and uh, it's just crazy because I could make you know the craziest face. I could have you know the biggest muscles, you know, or the the perfect hair and beard, you know, and it just still wouldn't get anywhere near as many clicks as uh, as mm-hmm. a female would. And I think that that's awesome for women. Like again, it's not. A bad thing it, it, it's a blessing and a curse like i've talked to like Brittany, essential endeavors I, i've talked to her on her channel about that i'm like as a woman content creator like you have to deal with like you know the creepy comments and the inappropriate things said to you right but then you also get the benefit of like getting more views than a guy's channel typically again i'm trying not to sound like sexist i'm just looking right. at it from a strictly youtube analytical standpoint statistics show well, that women get more clicks than it's men. data so you know yeah. to anybody listening obviously you know that we're not being sexist it's just the data shows that pictures with women or you know content creators at least in this niche specifically you know mm-hmm. more people are going to watch a, a good looking woman talk about her sales than an ugly bald guy it's just the truth yeah. like it's not to be mean i mean i'm i'm balding you know that's why i always wear hats you know to cover up my bald head you know, but like, for example, Kat, the nurse flipper, she does a what sold video and her what sold videos get three to 5,000 views in the first two or three days. I do a what sold video and it gets 1,000 to 1,500 views. And we have about the mm-hmm. same amount of subscribers. So yeah, and you, I, and you both sell like quality stuff, you know, it's like she's like her average, I feel like you're the average selling price of your, your what sells are about the same, you know, right? Yeah. If you so the only at- difference would be like your personality and your gender. Right. That, and that's why I used her as an example is like, our stuff is very similar. We both sell a lot of stuff. Um, we both are, I'd say happy, friendly, uh, upbeat people. Um, you know, but I mean, I don't know. It just, she has, she has maybe a more, maybe the more female driven audiences, like, like what Mm -hmm. sold videos versus men. I don't know. That, that would be interesting to research i think females like to support other females like i'd I'd be curious to see like what her analytics show like is her average viewer audience mine used to be female heavy like 60 40 female but now it's like 70 30 male for some reason and i think most male like you guys should look at yours and see but i think you're probably most your viewers are males as well it would it would be interesting to see you know how all of that kind of kind of works like on an actual on an actual like data basis without just making judgments and saying, well, you know, cat's a female and you know, I'm a male, so she's going to get more views than me, which I don't necessarily think it's just because of that, but I definitely think it helps. But like Josh said, yeah. on the back end, I definitely do agree that like women have way more crap to deal with, with comments and DMS and, you know, per perverted things that, you know, people say and do, or even on Poshmark, yeah. like, you know, Tracy was, um, who does the lives of Tommy Bernard. She, she was saying that like people will message her on Poshmark on a comment and say, do you have any used socks you're willing to sell? Like most yeah. of the time men aren't getting those messages, you know, it's women. So, you know, anyway, that won't get yeah. any deeper into that conversation, but you know, for all you women out there, I'm proud of you. Ignore those <laughs> gross comments. Mm-hmm. Not all men are like that. Drew's the neighborhood good guy. I try I try to be. All right, boys, we are just over an hour. Joey, what are, what are some final thoughts? My final thoughts for you out there is just do it. Get out there and just be yourself. You know, just be humble and just love your family and just do your thing. Get out there and go work hard. You should Let's get go. that uh, printed. And put that, put what you just said on the wall of your office. Just, just do, do it. it. Just get out there. Love your family. Stay humble. That's great. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back and listen to that, and I'm gonna make a poster. It's like, gonna be a Harry, of what you be a Harry tornado shirt tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> and I'll sell it. <laughs> Description: New merch. Oh goodness, that's awesome. All right, boys. Thanks for uh, joining me with the podcast. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. If you're on YouTube, make sure to head down there and click the like button for us and subscribe. Also subscribe to all of our channels. I know I'm like 
I don't know, like 8,000 subs away from 100,000. So that'll be super exciting. Drew, what are, what's your next uh, number? You're over six or 7,000 now? I, I just recently passed 10,000, or not 10,000, 7,000. So thank okay. you. Everybody. I was like, what? what did I miss? Thank you to everybody who subscribed. Okay, so your next goal would be 8,000 then. Well, I'm shooting for 10K. So I'm not, awesome. I don't really we'll go by the thousands, but I'd like to hit 10K on YouTube and Instagram around the same time so I can have the swipe up feature. I've got about 8,500 followers on Instagram. So if I could hit 10K awesome. for both around the same time to have the swipe up feature, um, I think that'd be pretty cool. And I just found out last night, here's my final thoughts. I had my entire YouTube channel in the film category and not the entertainment category. So I think that that has wow. really hindered my YouTube channel. And the reason- yeah. I would put it, I would put it in education. Okay. Uh, Nicholas actually showed me that my channel is in entertainment, but I, I'm going to change mine to education. I think you should change yours to education as well. Well, that's the reason why I that my category was wrong was because I watched that video with Nicholas and I'm like, what category is mine in? Like, I don't, cause I'm like, there's not a reselling category. I thought I put it in entertainment, but somehow it was in film. And I'm like, oh my gosh, if this is what's been hindering me from being suggested on, you know, YouTube. Why'd you hit like a hundred K, hundred K this oh year? Oh my gosh. You had the wrong category. I would be, I would be so like disappointed in myself but all this time pay attention to youtube stuff like that i just make videos for fun to help people um but i mean it would be pretty crazy to see like if the next couple videos just like semi go crazy or get more views than normal because i changed the category we'll have to keep an eye out well guys uh, thanks for listening love you so much see you